Hey everybody and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network presents Weekend Warriors. That's right, a new special edition of Marking Out the Days. And I am part of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always I am joined here with Dave Rosenbluth, part of the Retromania family and the hosting squad, and part of Kicking Out at Two. Dave, we're here doing a little uh, different lineup for Marking Out the Days, if you will. It's going to be themed on Saturdays. Um, we, we remember waking up watching wrestling, or Saturday evenings maybe watching wrestling, and we're going to focus on Saturdays, Weekend Warriors. Dave, what's going on, man? Not much, uh, let's, man. Let's talk to people about this. Yeah, this is pretty cool, actually. Um, full disclosure, you know, I, I love doing this show, and I love going back and being nostalgic. That's why I do it on Kicking Out It too. But, um, you know, as even for those of you out there that have listened to prior episodes of, of uh, Marking Out the Days, um, I'm sure that yes. all the information that Kobe and I are throwing at you regarding what took place on that particular day is overwhelming. It was definitely overwhelming for both of us to – you know, deliver all that. So we, we brainstormed a little bit and we thought about maybe, you know, changing up the format a bit, still going with the nostalgic feel and still, um, you know, keeping with the marking out the day's theme and covering those particular mm -hmm. days. Um, so we've decided to um, kind of take this format and go a little seasonal and cover our Saturday wrestling experiences as kids with WWF superstars and WCW Saturday night, if you will, um, a precursor to oh, the yeah. Monday Night Wars, hence the, hence the, the title, yes. Weekend Warriors. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to go run down the, 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 the list of um, each and every WWF Superstars episode and WCW Saturday Night episode that's available on the WWE Network till December. And that's when our season's going to end. And we're going we're gonna to go back and forth and um, you know, reminisce about those episodes, watching them on a Saturday morning with Superstars and then on a Saturday evening with WCW Saturday Night. And uh, we're going to have some fun with it because that's how I got into wrestling. And I'm sure that's how you also got into wrestling as well, Kobe, is by watching wrestling on Saturdays. Um, you know, if I didn't have anything to do family-wise Saturday morning, it was watching wrestling. And if uh, I was home Saturday evening as a youngster, it was WCW Saturday night. So um, this is definitely going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to it. We're going to break down each show and talk about the um, the, the goings-on in those particular storylines and compare both shows and see which one was the better show on those particular days, uh, starting with yeah. – um, Starting with uh, April the 25th in professional wrestling yes. history. We're still going to keep the birthday format um, and the death days. So we're still going to talk about mm -hmm. people who have passed on this day as well as people who have been born on this day in professional wrestling history. So we're still keeping that. But we're just kind of like, you know, we're tightening the format a little bit. And then after we, you know, we complete this season, if you will, uh, we're going to come up with something a little bit different. Um, or we may continue this format with, you know, comparing WCW Saturday Night and WWE. Superstars, but um, I look forward to, uh, like I said, going back, reminiscing about our childhood, growing up, watching these episodes on Saturday mornings as well as Saturday evenings, and just take it from there. And overall, just having fun. Yes, and this is really kind of like what I aimed for to begin with. Before you, you and I, like really even partnered up, I was thinking maybe covering WCW Saturday nights and calling it Saturday nights. All right. But then all of a sudden, Superstars got released. And I was like, holy shit, 
watching these back, uh, yeah, definitely recall being a wrestling fan at this time. 1992, let's say uh, I was... I was about five years old, so I was getting a lot of toys around this time, but I remember, like, a significant birthday party having, like, all the Hasbro figures, like the Bushwhackers, the Natural Disasters, the Ultimate Warrior, you know, stuff like that. We'll get into it as we cover these days. And uh, I even got some um, WCW figures, like Sting, Arn Anderson, which I still have the Arn Anderson from the original 92 run that I got. Which is cool. That's pretty cool. He's That's all pretty cool. He's all beat to death. He has uh, his butt cheeks are all worn out. So you know? you know, I have I have that same Arn Anderson you're talking about. I have a lot of the Hasbro's in my studio. I'll take some pictures and put it up on uh, on our on our social media on the Retromania Facebook and Twitter pages. But um, oh yeah, yeah, I have like the 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 Hasbro's, the Galoobs. Um, Arn Anderson's butt cheeks are a little worn out, and his bald spots even worse. So <laughs> on my yeah on my yeah Arn definitely. Anderson, but uh, he's yeah. been taking. Some some bumps. Yep, yep, yep. I, my my Aaron Anderson has been through um, the ringer. That's for sure. But uh, like you said, this is kind of like the precursor to the Attitude Era because this is when the gears start to go in motion for like the competition of wrestling at the time. Um, a lot of people like to consider the '90s um, through '92 through like '95 the dark days of wrestling, but um, I consider this one of the revelational revelational periods of wrestling like um we get a lot of building blocks for what wrestling is now um as far as like being televised and tightening up the packaging um and presenting your characters a little bit better and telling a story throughout an hour show or so yeah this was a period in time where um it was it, we're in a, a multitude of years of transition um we were getting out of the um the 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 golden age, as they would like to call it, um, the late 80s into, you know, the, 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 the mid to late 80s and going into the early 90s. And then the early 90s was kind of like the downturn. Um, but there was a lot of hidden gems and a building block to the future on both sides between WWF and WCW. Um, it just was it, it was just a, a, a bad time period in wrestling. The I, I think what really hurt the business was the the steroid trial with Vince McMahon and how it put a black mark on the entire industry, not just the WWF as well. Um, And I think people looked at wrestling a lot differently and were turned off by it because of the exposure that Vince McMahon and the industry got in that, that, that trial with the federal government. So overall um, those years, like you said, they're building blocks and you're building towards the future and the way that things are being presented and told in the stories, things are changing, but it was also not the best time for um, the business itself on both sides of the, of the equation. Right on. And all right. So give us a little precursor back before we even go further in this episode. How old were you about 92? Um, in 92, I was nine years old and, okay, um, and you were watching fanatically. Yep. Yes, I was. I've always watched. I, I'll be honest with you. I've always watched fanatically anything. I've never okay. grown out of it. I know that like you, you know, you had a few years where you've grown out of it. I've known people that, um, stopped watching for a few years and certain points in the business, you know, brought them back. I have a buddy of mine that stopped watching probably like. You know the end of the 80s going into the early 90s um 
stop watching fanatically and then when hogan uh turned heel and joined the nwo is when he got back into it like full steam again so, i know a lot you know, of people like that i'm sorry yeah i know a lot of people like that yeah they were older um a couple years older than me but yeah definitely yeah. they got into it back again around that time that's when wrestling peaked again we'll see like peaks and valleys of wrestling uh popularity oh yeah um, throughout the years and this portion in time oh. too like this like as at nine years old i obviously didn't think that like you know i didn't think like i do now at 36 where you know this was it. This was a time where you know wrestling hit the valley, um, on you know between WCW and WWF. I was nine years old. It was wrestling, and I had more than just one show to watch. And it was pretty cool that I had so yeah. many different. I think options. this is like riding the top of the wave, maybe. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would before agree. the come down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely would agree. Um, uh, people look at '92 as like, I don't even consider '92 the decline. Like I consider I consider no. I consider ninety three the real decline. Yes. Like the beginning yes. of the real decline in wrestling on all sides. Um I think ninety two you saw a lot of hidden gems and a, a lot of um you know, uh, preparation for building towards the future, whether those decisions on, between WWF and WCW were good ones or not, you saw them at least taking steps and measures to move past the the previous eras in their respective companies um you know with the wwf in 1992 you had less and less of hulk hogan who was the top dog and they were looking towards making individuals like brett the hitman hart and Shawn michaels like their focal points undertaker um you know the razor ramon the list goes on and on and in wcw on the other side at this time they were trying to, you know, they they were several months to, about, yeah, about like, you know, eight, nine months removed from, you know, Ric Flair being gone. And Ric Flair was over in the WWF at this time. And they were trying to, and I think they were pretty successful at it as a fan, looking back on it, watching it, they were pretty successful in moving away from rick flair's era of wrestling and ironically rick flair like i said on the other show on wwf superstars at that time a focal point of the program um so it was Agreed. one of the it, it, it's it's a period where you see a lot of changes and as a kid i didn't know what the ramifications of those changes were i didn't even realize there were changes at nine years old but i was enjoying it and having fun because like i said it was more than just one wrestling show and i had plenty of other options to choose from but as i look back on it now in 2019 at 36 years old i don't consider that era a bad like 92 i don't consider that era a bad era of wrestling i, I say 93 is when it really really started to to go on the downswing yeah yeah I agree. Um, this is some, like you said, some hidden gems, and we'll get along um, in and in depth as we go along in our episodes here. And it will be a weekly show, um, just covering WWF superstars and WCW Saturday Night. I cannot wait. Um, this will be the pr premiere first episode of our season, um, the first season of marking out the days here. Um, if we want to go actually official yeah you we, know? You know, we've been messing around with format changes and trying to tweak things and try and find a good rhythm and i feel like 
with a tighter format and you know i think you you could agree as well kobe i think we'll have a um a much smoother show and something a little more clear yes. for our listeners to, 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 to gravitate to, and also for them to experience by, you know, going on WWE network and watching it and, and, and finding out for themselves how much fun that we're having watching this stuff and reviewing it for all of you. So definitely. And we'll find out throughout the year if they update the WWF superstars and get a little deeper. Same with the WCW. Uh, you never know with the network. They updated. Um, here and there throughout the holiday seasons too. Yeah. Uh, they like to do it the holidays. I noticed. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So we'll see as we go along. But like you said, we're tentatively, tentatively looking for December as our end date. But uh, let's get into the weekend warriors uh, before we get into the death days and birthdays of this actual day for marking out the days before we get into the weekend warrior section. Let's plug everything for what's going on at Kicking Out at Two and Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Let's do it, man. Dave? Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, over on Kicking Dave, Out give... at Over on Kicking Out at Two. Um, last week we had our uh, WCW trading, uh, WCW Spring Stampede 1994 trading places episode. You can find that over in the archives at facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two, as well as our Twitter handle at kicking out two um, and soundcloud.com. It will be up shortly on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network channel over on Podbean. Um, just got a, you know another week or so left of our old stream, and then we will be able to uh, yes. upload more shows over to the Podbean, so stay tuned for that. Trading Places is pretty much, uh, uh, it's some people could call it fantasy booking. I hate that, but whatever. Um, it's basically a show where we, we take the results and we flip them of, um, of certain pay-per-views, and we try to map out the tra- trajectories of those individuals, the winners and the losers, had the results gone in the opposite direction. So with Spring Stampede 1994, uh, what happens if Rick Rude would have ended up keeping the WCW International title? Where would he have gone? Ooh. You know, How far would he have gone in WCW had he not gotten injured and had he kept the title over Sting at that event? Um, could we have seen Rick Rude and Hulk Hogan as a marquee match in 1994? Because Hulk Hogan was in, slated to be making his debut just a few short months later. And on the other side of the coin, you have Rick Rude, or I'm sorry, Rick Flair and Ricky Steamboat, who in 1994. Um, uh, they main evented that pay-per-view for the WCW World Heavyweight title, and it went to a draw. Reignited and, that feud. Um, you know, there was no clear-cut winner. Let's trade places. What if we had a clear-cut winner? What if Steamboat won the title? What if Flair won the title? Where would they? Where, where would their path have taken them post-Spring Stampede 1994? And how does Hulk Hogan uh, get involved in that? We cover all the matches from that event, flip the results, and try and figure out each wrestler's trajectory. Um, that was last week, so you can find that over in the archives. WCW Spring Stampede 1994 from our Trading Places series. And uh, we kept up with the Spring Stampede theme this week as we, uh, we did a special watch party of the 1997 spring stampede event which you can find over in the archives at both facebook and twitter facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two as well as our twitter handle at kicking out two and over on soundcloud.com when you search for kicking out at two um 
Yeah, Dennis Levy, my buddy and I, we sat down and watched Spring Stampede 1997, cover to cover. Uh, some pretty good stuff Very on cool. there and some head scratchers as well, but um, headlined by Diamond Dallas Page and the Macho Man Randy Savage um, in the heyday of the NWO rivalry. So a lot of uh, a lot of interesting nuggets that we, we discussed. We discussed cruiserweight wrestling as well as um, the short-lived experiment of the WCW women's division at that time with their women's championship. Um, a tag team title match that was contested in a singles bout between Kevin Nash and Rick Steiner. We ponder why that took place. As well as um, Lex Luger, the Giant, and Booker T and Stevie Ray of Harlem Heat in a four corners match to determine the number one contender for the WCW World Heavyweight title. And why was that match treated like a tag team match? We cover all of that and so much more on Kicking Out at Two this week. And next week over on Kicking Out at Two, at all of the links I provided previously, we're going to be covering talk shows in wrestling history we're going to cover all the great moments some of the highlights the low lights from piper's pit to the heartbreak hotel the barbershop the funeral parlor the flower shop and so much more we have the the best and the worst moments in wrestling talk show history next week on kicking out of two sounds very good man i can't wait for that and like you said the streams are ending soon. Uh, next week will be the actual official launch, relaunch of Pro Wrestling Podcast that Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, yeah, we're gonna have everything on there. The back archive of Kicking Out of Two is already on there, but it'll be updated for the month of April. Same with Retromania. That's what we got going on this month. Is Hulkamania is dead. We're updating that part of season two for Retromania. Hulkamania is dead. Um, it'll be coverage of WrestleMania seven. And that's a fantasy book podcast. Um, like you said, it's a little different. Um, it's fun though. We try to make it fun. So, uh, um, everybody join us over there at Retromania on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Retromania pod, you can write to us at retromaniapodcast at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, on Podbean, we will have the archive launched next week. That'll be the actual airing of the May 2nd episode of Marking Out the Days, I believe. Okay. Very, very cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. So uh, let's get into this day, April 25th. Um, you ready to do it? Yes, I am. Let's do it, man. Let's start off with the sad stuff, and then we'll get into the happy stuff. The Death Days are first. Um, the first one here is the Masked Assassin, number two, died April 25th, 2000. Um, masked Assassin, number two, teamed up with the Masked Assassin, number one, um, his real name is Tom Renesto. So, rest in peace, Tom Renesto. And if I'm not mistaken, Masked Assassin number one, is that Jody Hamilton? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. So, they, they teamed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right, moving on. April 25th, 2014. Connor McCalick. You know who that is, right? Yes, yes. Uh, the, um, the, the, the Daniel Bryan super fan that uh, unfortunately passed away 
um, at the very young age of like seven or eight years old from a pediatric cancer who inspired WWE to create the Connors Cure Foundation, um, which is also inspired our good friends uh, Tito Martinez and the Mania Club um, that, that uh, host those big tailgate parties uh, the morning of WrestleMania for the past four or five years um, mm -hmm. at, at each WrestleMania event. Um, all the proceeds go to the uh, Connors Cure Foundation. They are an official um, uh, group of the Jimmy V Foundation. They're officially part of the Jimmy V Foundation. Um, if you ever want to make donations, you can find the Mania Club on Facebook and get all the information over there. Um, great group of guys. They're not just a group. They're a family and a community. Um, they meet up for, for various wrestling events. And uh, if you go on WWE Network, um, if you watch the Roman Reigns Chronicle Part 2, they covered some stuff that he did during WrestleMania weekend. And uh, the Mania Club were guests of uh, Stephanie McMahon for the, um, the, the, the Connors Cure Superstar reveal when they had the, the, the sick kids that dress up like their favorite superheroes or their wrestlers. Um, they, they were a part of that as well. So, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a really heartwarming, touching um, gesture amongst wrestling fans. You don't hear of many wrestling fans that do stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, and I think it's pretty mm, cool that they've, no. that they've created this group. Uh, they raised 15, over $15,000, um, this year, um, you know, for the, um, for the foundation. So I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty awesome. So go check them out over on Facebook. They are the mania club. Um, uh, if you want more information as to how you can contribute and donate to the, to the great cause that, uh, you know, behind the research for um, hoping to find a cure for uh, pediatric cancer. Yes, indeed. Shout out to Tito uh, for doing that. Definitely. Um, all right. Well, you ready to get into the um, actual happy stuff of the day? Yeah, let's blow out these candles, man. Come on, let's do it. All right. Jerry Blackwell. He was born this day, April 25th, 1949. Jerry Blackwell is a wrestler from the 70s uh, um, and late into the 80s, um, known as Crusher Blackwell, as well as Jerry Blackwell. Wrestled against Kamala, Borzukov, S.D. Jones, um, Billy Whitewolf. Dominic DiNucci, Bobo Brazil, Ivan Putsky, the names go on and on. He was a jobber's uh, jobber. A, yeah, big hoss wrestler. Yeah. Uh, next one will be short and brief on this one. April 25th, 1974, Octagon Quito, who was also, um, he was Mosaic in WWF in 1997, a mini wrestler, a mini. Um, oh, okay. Short, All right. Gotcha. From AAA, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and then wrestled in uh, CMLL and Lucha Libre USA uh, later. But yeah, uh, happy birthday to him. Wanted to keep that short and brief. Anyhow, moving on. Uh, Belladonna, April 25th, 1979. Remember her from TNA? Vaguely. I vaguely remember her. Um, who, who'd she valet? She was with, um, 
Minister James. Oh, uh, yes, she was the female valet for that, like, the, um, it was like that, that, that group that, um, who was a part of it? Um, uh, it was, it was, um, oh my God. Brian Lee. Malice? Malice was, yeah, yeah. who was the wall in WCW. Um, yes. I think Brian Lee and, um, mm-hmm. One of the guys from PG thirteen. Yes. Um, he was in it. And so this is about two thousand two era. Yeah, two thousand two. This is like the beginning of TNA. Wow, I I forgot about that. Holy cow. Yeah, I used to. Uh, I used to like her because she would wear a skirt and a thong, and yeah. Good stuff. Anyhow, <laughs> place of birth is uh, Tennessee. She sadly died. Uh, this year, January twenty second, two thousand nineteen. Yes. Um, okay. Now I'm rest in peace, Bella. Remembering that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Next up, D'Angelo Williams, nineteen eighty three. Uh, former. Well, I guess. Football player. This crosses in with our special episode of the Raw Bowl. Yep. Talking about wrestlers turned into, uh, or football players, rather, turned into wrestlers. My brother actually met him um, at res- in WrestleMania in Dallas. Um, I guess he was a guest of WWE's um, okay. for, for the event. Um, I don't know if he was Teams gonna... that he's played for, Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, yep. who else? Um, shoot. I'm not very good. I I know I know Pittsburgh. That's yeah. all. Maybe the okay. Washington. Did he play for the Skins? I don't think. Uh, maybe. Hey, you might be right, actually. But yeah, my brother met um, him. He was he was walking around fan access, and my brother was like, "That's D'Angelo Williams." Because my brother's a big football fan, so. Um, yeah, he um. He met him, and uh, I guess like he was there to hang out or whatever with uh, for WWE, and um, I don't know if they were planning on doing something with him, but uh, you know, um, you know, he was there. So my brother thought, it was yeah. So cool. his career, his career, he had uh, with the Carolina Panthers, two thousand six to two thousand fourteen. Then he uh, was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, two thousand fifteen to two thousand sixteen, and then he wrestled at. GFW Slammiversary 15, D'Angelo Williams and Moose defeated Chris Adonis and Eli Drake, July 2nd, 2017. Okay. So, yeah, that's his, uh, that's his contribution to wrestling. All right. Yeah, I mean, I heard he's a big wrestling fan, so, you know, good for him. He got to do it. In the minor better leagues. than uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it was better than Pac-Man Jones. Uh, yeah, because well, he could actually yeah, oh, wrestle. Yeah, yeah. Pac-Man Jones didn't wrestle; he was like a valet. Yeah, but all right. The last one here, uh, the last birthday is the Amazing Red Jonathan Figueroa, April twenty fifth, nineteen eighty two. Thoughts about the Amazing Red? Speaking of TNA, the inception of it and uh, popular characters. Yeah, he was um, he was he was cool to watch in in the early days of TNA with the X Division. Um, what I thought was kind of cool about him was how like 
they incorporated um you know he was he was a, a high flyer and i thought he could have been like tna's version of ray mysterio like he had that like young oh, yeah. baby face look like people liked him he was very popular um his ability in the ring i think drew people to him that's what made him so popular but you know what i loved about him was like don west and how like don west would go crazy during his matches mm -hmm. and don west was not a did not have any wrestling knowledge um he wasn't a you know he's a great pitch man he's a great salesman you know but like, goddamn, that kid's marketable yeah yeah just yeah like yeah. he was just he was so good that like he he put amazing red over more than anybody could have ever done on commentary and it was genuine because he it wasn't forced like he sounded like he was so excited to watch him that it came across and it came through your television screens when you would hear him the passion in his voice for when he would call these matches with amazing red um they ended up making him like amazing red's manager for a brief period of time but you know it was tna so they didn't really follow through with it you know not too yeah. long after it started but um yeah and that's what i used to always like about amazing red matches in the early days is how like don west would be like i've never seen that in my life and like it was legit because he wasn't a wrestling fan so he didn't really know anything about wrestling you know whereas nowadays on tv all those guys on commentary is like oh my god i've never seen anything like it until two weeks ago yeah. when i saw it <laughs> you know what i mean like it was the right, you could right, just right. the genuine passion in his voice i think is what got me Yeah, um, definitely a phenomenal wrestler during the 2004 run of uh, TNA, going against the likes of AJ Styles, um, Spanky, who is... Brian Kendrick. Um, yes, indeed. Hector Garza, Christopher Daniels, Jerry Lynn, Skipper, yeah, Chris Saban, yeah. Petey oh, yeah. Williams, uh, Bobby Roode, Eric Young... Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. Kid Cash. Yeah, just a, an amazing run here uh, from the guy. Um, he's wrestled everywhere, too. CZW, Chikara, All Japan Pro Wrestling, um, uh, GFW, uh, House of Glory, House of Hardcore, um, uh, Juggalo Championship Wrestling, MLW, NWA, TNA, TNA. Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, ROH. I mean, the list goes on and on. I think he recently retired this year, though. He did, yeah. I was kind of disappointed because, like, he never, I mean, aside from, you know, his time in, in, in TNA, like, I was really hoping to kind of see him a part of 205, um, 205 Live, or have a, a role in the Cruiserweights. Um, mm -hmm. Even something on NXT, I felt like he could have, like, been a... a he still could have contributed. It's it's a shame that like, not saying that he didn't have a great career, but like, I would have loved to have seen like how well he would have fared um, in like the WWE environment, like like I said, NXT or two hundred five. You know what I mean? Because I really think he was that talented. Yeah, would have been cool. Um, nonetheless, happy birthday to the amazing Red. All right, that's wrapping it up for the death days and birthdays. We need to come up with a name for that, right? For for <laughs> the birthdays and the death days? And Yeah. Death days sounds so morbid. Like, it sounds like 
I know, right? Yeah. It's like, you need to come up with, like, the, uh, um, (laughs) today's, today's cycle. Today's morbid cycle. Yeah. Yeah, Um, All right, moving on with the actual day, let's get into WWF superstars first, because that's what you wake up to, to watch. That's right. Uh, And then later you go into your WCW Saturday night. Um, what time did this start usually, do you think? 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, maybe. Sometimes I yeah. think they, some, I think sometimes they would go in the afternoon, like after noon, like I would say like one o'clock, maybe sometimes, yeah. but you know, um, I think that was in later years, who knows, but. Yeah, so WWF Superstars, the intro package features Sid Justice, Papa Shango, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Owen Hart, Earthquake, Bulldog, Typhoon, Hulk, and Ultimate Warrior posing and congratulating each other at the end. Ultimate Warrior with the bob cut looking significantly smaller than usual. Um, Yeah, this is coming off the steroid scandal. Um, which kind of hurt the business as a lot that like a lot that we talked about earlier in this episode. Um, but interesting to see the package. We'll see how it changes as the year goes on to who's on there and who is not. Yep. Yeah. And they are from, so, they're from Kalamazoo, Michigan and the wings stadium, the home of kale pectate, according to Vince McMahon. thought that was kind of, funny. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kale pectate. Um, yeah, Vince is our host and my usual partner, Mr. Perfect is, uh, has ringside duty with Ric Flair. So yeah, Ric Flair has his, uh, executive out there, Mr. Perfect. And, uh, later in the show, we'll have the undertaker and berserker. But speaking of Ric Flair, he's out there with Mr. Mr. Perfect, his executive consultant and there are a lot of piped in booze here right yeah yeah um flair came I think it's out interesting it yeah it's i i mean i don't know like i mean i was young so like i didn't know any of that stuff but like i wonder if like either he got no reaction or he got a more popular reaction because he is rick flair and that's why they piped in the booze well uh Allegedly, the uh, Royal Rumble victory where he won the title, which was earlier in the year at the Royal Rumble, um, there was a lot of cheers for him in the crowd, and they had to pipe those over with booze. Okay. All right. Smart fans at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, you know, Hogan's on this long run were nearing, like, seven years six or seven years of his you know long top run at the uh you know you know top of wwf yep so yeah yeah Rick I, Flair I, I, goes, I get why they were trying to i get why they were trying to do it i guess i mean they they wanted to keep flair you know where he was as a heel and so but this was like the early changes of like you know they were starting to they wanted to see something else. So yes. I guess I guess maybe that's why the, the piped in booth, but oh well. Yeah, he goes against Ron Cumberledge 
during the match, some chops going on, and they show a picture of the WWF magazine with Miss Elizabeth on the cover, and then they have the pictures comparing Ric Flair and Macho Man, those doctored photos in 1992 that you talked about on last week's episode of Marking Out the Days, but you kind of want to recap here what went on. Um, with the pictures or in this match? Yes. This match, this match was a pretty standard flair enhancement match. Um, the only, yeah, the only pretty, thing, pretty standard Ric Flair stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they Vince kind of hyped up the WrestleMania eight match with Savage, and he kind of alluded to you know Flair wanting to regain the title. So it didn't really seem like that this was over between Flair and Savage. Um, at one point, I think um, Mr. Perfect was yelling uh, Savage towards Ron while he was getting beat up by Ric Flair. Um, clearly furthering the angle with Macho Man, um, you know, as they, as they move forward. But the magazine, uh, there, was an issue, uh, there was an issue of WWF magazine that came out a number of months prior, and Ric Flair um, was illustrated in these pictures with Miss Elizabeth like he was with her before she was with Macho Man. And mm-hmm. they they kind of had to put some juice in the storyline because Savage and Flair was thrown together at the last minute because the original plan was Flair and Hogan um, for that WrestleMania. And they, they made a move and they made a switch, so they had to put some juice in, into it with Flair and Savage, and they did. Um, well, a lot of people say that that might have been the original plan match, which Rick thought, yes, definitely. But when Sid signed, which he signed before Rick Flair... He had a guarantee for the main event spot at WrestleMania, and he chose Hulk, and that was the dispute there. Um, okay, I've never that, heard that before. I've never. I mean, I've heard, I've I've heard all different kinds of stories regarding the why WrestleMania Eight was so switched up, but um, I didn't know that it was it, that, that Sid kind of had his pick of uh, who he wanted to work. Makes with. Makes more sense to me because they were really pushing him hard after this too. Yeah, yeah, that is, I mean, that's a good point, fair point. But yeah, the magazine picture showed Flair was with Liz before Liz was with Randy. Um, really got Savage fired up, made you wonder, made you question. Even as a kid, when I got the magazine, I didn't know what, you know, um, digital, uh, you know, uh, photography was. And I don't even think there was digital photography at the time, but I didn't know that there was doctoring of photos and things like that. And so, yeah. Um, you know, it was uh, it was revealed that, you know, Flair was just doing it to get under the skin of Savage as they were heading into their match at WrestleMania to give him a little bit more of an edge. And it for, you know, looking back on it for a short period of time, it was a pretty good storyline, you know, to heading into that WrestleMania that got me invested as a kid. But, um, yeah, as we move on with the, um, the speaking of the magazine, Mean Gene does an update of the magazine. It does a WWE mm-hmm magazine update and he's basically highlighting um uh video short video clips of um activities and festivities during wrestlemania 8 weekend um in the parking lot of the hoosier dome there was a concert that was performed with some fucking slam jam band uh that had the nasty boys the mountie jimmy hart and sensational sherry um singing with this rock band in the parking lot of a, of a hoosier rocking dome. Rocking down the hall. Yeah, it was, I it was yeah. fucking awful. Yeah, I know. And then, um, then later on in that video clip, we see uh, Sean Mooney hosting a lookalike contest with the Bushwhackers, basically yeah. cosplaying before cosplaying was cool. 
Um, Very cool, right? Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And there were some pretty good-looking, you know, contests, you know, the contestants in there with the somebody dressed up like Macho Man, one guy dressed up like the Big Boss Man, you know, Paul Bearer. So it was pretty, it was fun. And then uh, they showed the WrestleMania brunch. Um, mm-hmm. Which had uh, you know clips of uh, Owen Hart, the British Bulldog, Rick Martel, Jake the Snake, and Sergeant Slaughter all attending. That was like the the bagels brunch and biceps, where like you got to go and take pictures. Oh my with the god! Guys and, yes. Yeah, like so. So that was the the WWF magazine update, and then um, you know the next match, we come back and it's uh, Kevin Kruger doing Kevin the job. To the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Um, mm. Mr. Perfect is back in the booth, and uh, pretty much Bulldog had his way with this guy the entire match until he decided to finish him off with the power slam for the win. Uh, but here's yeah, the highlight. I like the of, little commentary. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, Perfect was great, like, at that time. Um, it still is, you know, to this day when it comes to his commentary events. But um, I, I have to do the introduction to this next segment. Here, okay, okay. If you, you know, allow me. Um, there was a commercial for the WBF Body Stars hosted by Vince McMahon and Cameo. A behind-the-scenes look at all the bodies and athletes from the WBF. And I quote, It's all about health and fitness. Hanging and banging. Riding and sliding. Food and fun. Passion and fashion. WBF Body Stars. You've gotta want it. And yes. as I was watching this, luckily my wife wasn't home, so I was watching this by myself because I couldn't stop laughing when he said, it's all about health and fitness, hanging and banging. What the fuck are you riding and sliding? Is that, that's what I would <laughs> like to know. I know that Riding and sliding. Riding and sliding the vascularity of my... That cock. Higher power. <laughs> I was like, what Jesus the heck? Christ, like, oh, yeah, my God. Like, yeah. I was just oh, riding yeah. and sliding. I was like, that did it for me. I was like, I ha- and I, when I was doing this, I had to, like, quote it word for word. So I had to, like, pause when he said something, write it down in my notes, then play it again, then pa- go back and yeah. forth. I was like, oh, man. Like, this is – I couldn't yeah. believe it. And who do we see in this promo package as well? It's fucking Lex. Yes, that's right. Lex Luger. Uh, a motorcycle. That's driving right. a motorcycle. Yeah, that's right. Because he was, he got out of his. He somehow got out of his WCW contract. Dude, I don't he's the, the one st- riding and sliding. He yeah. hurt his elbow in a motorcycle accident. I know. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, and then he had to have a bionic plate put in his elbow. Um, but but that's Luger why Luger somehow Vince got said out riding his, and sliding. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, so nineties. That was just so nineties. But uh, Luger got out of his contract apparently with WCW, and um, Vince signed him. But he signed him to the bodybuilding show because he couldn't put him on the wrestling mm-hmm. because he was, you know, it was a, a conflict not of interest for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So he had one of those non compete clauses. But yeah, I thought that I thought that was hilarious. The 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 WBF body stars. Yeah. And then coming up next, we have the Beverly Brothers, Bo and Blake, with the Genius against Eric Collins and Mike Freedom. Uh, it's a quick match, but Genius cuts a promo talking about the Legion of Sissies. What a weak, like, little name to come up with the Legion of Doom, like, to make fun of their name. The Legion of Sissies. 
Uh, the yeah. Beverly's beat this team really quick. It's an assisted face buster type move. Then they paint the face of Mike Freedom, uh, and they write L-O-D, and then they cross out the D and put S underneath, L-O-S, on his chest. This is really weak. Yeah. Uh, Eric Collins and Mike Freedom looked like a couple of Little League coaches that just joined the sex offenders registry list. (laughs) Yes, indeed. LOD come back with a promo, though, with Paul Ellering. Beverly's are in for a lot of pain. And Repo Man then has a promo following up talking about take, 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 take. He's going to be coming up here, 92 SummerSlam. He's going to have a big match. Yeah, he talks about he's going to help the government with the economy by repossessing all the vehicles from those that can't afford it. So, (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Where was Repo Man in 07 and 08 when our fucking economy collapsed and all the banks had to get bailed out, huh? Yeah, come on, brother. He was working house shows. (laughs) Crush them. He was in some armory in, like, Minnesota. (laughs) Yeah, true. Uh, Crush then has a promo, and it's some weird flashback. It's black and white, some kid version of Little Crush, I guess, uh, spilling his milk in a cup. And he says, now I'm all grown up. So Repo Man, Sid Justice, who's going to make me mind my manners now? Very weak stuff. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, you know... And what was he sitting on top of? Like, they did this, like, shot where, like, he was, like, sitting on, like, a pile of junk. Like, it was, like, in the backstage area. Like, what was it? He- He's a crush guy. He just crushes stuff, you know? That's what yeah. he does. He crushed the milk crate when he was a child. He, he crushed like boxes a, backstage. He looked, like, a, like, he looked like he was cosplaying as a can of Fanta soda with a mullet. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking speaking of, mullets. of mullets. Yeah. <laughs> Shawn Michaels out with Sherry's version of his music ah, ah, against George Anderson, no relation to Arn Anderson. Yeah. Mr. Perfect talks about Michaels being too much for Brett the Hitman Hart. Wow. In 1992. Interesting stuff, huh? What's more interesting is the fact that George Anderson stole beautiful Bobby Eaton's ring jacket. <laughs> That's Good what call. really got Good me. Call. I was like, holy shit. It's like, what do you think of this? Thing? Yeah. What do you think of this match with uh, Sean and George Anderson, though? The finish here. He gets a crescent kick and then uh, the side happens? suplex. That was his yeah. finisher for a while before he stuck with that super kick. But um, we saw the early foreshadowing of uh, a showdown between Michaels and Brett for the Intercontinental title. The, the, the pre-tape promo yes. with Brett was pretty interesting. Um, they've kind of instituted those pre-tapes like in the corner of the screen during a match um, nowadays. But um, the I uh, love it here, though. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it was what I grew up on. So, um, And then, of course, the post-match, we saw Sean... Uh, posing and throwing Sherry down aggressively, and it was like, you know, they were they were trying to be edgy with you know the the, the male on female aggression with the sexual kind of vibe to it. Um, yeah, so that was that. And then we cut to the WBF magazine where we, you can fucking get a subscription to find out who's riding and sliding who each fucking month. <laughs> Which, 
Jesus. Very true. They made a, it's bad enough they made a TV show, but then they had to make you fucking pay God knows how much to subscribe to their magazine to see a bunch of fucking women and dudes working out and yeah, making. Did you making ever see you f- an episode? I never. I never did. I never yeah, saw an episode. The only time yeah. I ever saw anything WBF related was. It must have been an episode of Superstars or Wrestling Challenge or something where they did like a pay-per-view. They had like a pose-off or a pose-down pay-per-view, like a bodybuilding pay-per-view that like Vince actually made people fucking pay money to see this shit. And they showed the clips of it like on one of the weekend shows. And they had like storylines. They had like one of the guys like in his little banana hammock like posing and then like he goes into his dressing room and like the girl tries to put like the vial of white powder in his drink and who knows what the fuck it was at that time. But he's too smart because he's a fucking baby face and he doesn't drink it and he wants to do things the right. They had real storylines for a fucking pose down show. I was like, no wonder why this shit sucks. Very weird. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, give me. Uh, We'll see. We'll Actually, see a little bit more of, it. yeah. We'll see a little bit more of the WW, WBF as we go along with the uh, weeks here, and then we'll see it fizzle out and disappear, as we'll see a lot of stuff on these uh, shows too. Yes, we'll um, see a lot of transitions. That's for sure. Yeah, Carrie Von Eric, the Texas Tornado, has a promo about the Intercontinental Title being. You know, humble. You know, a lot of guys want that, but uh, I, I'm just what dreams are made of. Okay, man. Sure. Yeah, fortunately, um, he, he ended that dream just about a year later. Yeah, he's going through a turbulent time real life. I think about this time he's going through a divorce with his wife. So, yeah. Yeah. The Nasty Boys with Jimmy Hart cut a promo about coming up for the tag team titles so we'll see if they're going to face the legion of doom who are the tag team champions at the time actually the legion of doom oh, were not the tag team champions no, i'm at sorry the money, money incorporated in. was yes who were also a lot of, managed a lot by of tag jimmy teams hart. yes yes who was also managed by jimmy hart and it was very interesting how like they mentioned they want a shot at the gold and jimmy mm-hmm. hart didn't flinch in that promo um, no so it was uh it it, it you might you might be seeing and hearing of uh, some dissension within the ranks of uh, Jimmy Hart's camp in the coming uh, weeks as we run down these shows. But standard Nasty yeah. Boys promo, lots of yelling, stupid laughing. Everyone's destined for a Nasty Boy pit stop. Um, yada, 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 pity city. Yeah. Um, and then we have Sergeant Slaughter against the Brooklyn Brawler. Wow. Sergeant Slaughter cuts a side-by-side promo while he's having this match, talking about the Mountie being an international maggot. Uh, I like how he has a side-by-side promo while he has a match. That's stuff that we need to uh, consolidate again in wrestling. But with a three-hour show on Monday nights, it's kind of hard. I know SmackDown has done pretty good at it. Same with NXT. But uh, Yeah. Yeah, those so, guys on Raw, they just can't get it together. <laughs> yeah. Sergeant Slaughter wins with a Cobra Clutch, and Vince calls it a Cobra Claw at the very end. Come on, Vince. You've been working with this motherfucker since, like, the late 70s. Don't call it a Cobra Claw. Yeah. Vince, I I think Vince sometimes tried too hard, where he wanted to, like, I think he was, 
I think on commentary yeah. he was trying to see how things would react, like if he said said it differently or tried to come up with a guy's finisher differently and and see what kind of reaction it was going to get. So it might have been one of those situations where he was like just trying it on and seeing if like you know it, it, it fit. Yeah. Maybe but he did. You, uh... He didn't. He did announce after this match that the convict is going to be out in a few weeks. Foreshadowing Ooh. a debut of nails, maybe. Yes, maybe. Or the convict. We'll see. Yeah. Names change. Uh, you want to lead us to the next part with Mean Gene? Yeah, that's right. Uh, mean Gene uh, has uh, Sid Justice out for a for an interview who is accompanied by Dr. Harvey Whippleman. Um, Sid's basically just responding to the Ultimate Warriors promo from the week before. Um, where you see Warrior sitting, you know, at the, at the on the staging area with um, a couple of little warriors dressed in their face paint, um, Sid basically says he doesn't need any friends, and he and he tells the Warrior that he's the man that everyone in the WWF fears. He discusses Warrior saving Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 8, which I remember um, very vividly and fondly. It was a, it was quite the pleasant surprise. Um, you know, Sid is kind of claiming that he ended Hulkamania. At WrestleMania 8. Um, and then he questions who's going to save the Ultimate Warrior from him. Because he will be the man who sees the Warriors last match. Because he's going to be the one to end the Warriors career. Because he is Sid Justice. And he rules the world. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. As a kid, I was, I w- I was kind of sad that Hogan was gone. But I was like, I was kind of digging Warrior a little bit. I wasn't the biggest Warrior. I wasn't a Warrior fan at all, but I was digging Warrior a little bit. But, like, the prospects yeah. of, like, him and Sid, like, I always wondered why it never really oh, took God. off or really happened. Yeah. And it should have been find... something good. Yeah, like, I was, like, as a kid, I just remember, like, saying to myself, like, or even to, like, one of my friends, I was like, it'll probably happen at SummerSlam. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I kind of, like, pictured between those two. Yeah, that would have been a good match. And uh, Sid Justice ending Hulkamania and seeing him go, like you said, it was a sad moment as a kid, but I was a warrior dude. I chose warrior in the end and he won a couple of manias ago. So, uh, you know, it was his time to shine, but Hogan kept sticking around. And uh, yeah, we'll learn that maybe Sid Justice, maybe the ultimate warrior will stick around. Maybe not. We'll see as the weeks go on. Um, yeah, this is some interesting stuff here. And Sid still has to work out the kinks with that last little bit. He says he rules the world. Uh, he's not the master and the ruler of the world yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, Sid. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Howard Finkel gets on the mic. Ladies and gentlemen. I have just been informed Shawn Michaels has left the building. And some fans are like, who the fuck cares? Yeah. That one guy with that, like, neon green ensemble and his fucking yes. Coke bottle glasses. He could yes. have watched that show from the parking lot. <laughs> uh, next up, it's Kent Carlson and Tom Stone. They go against Earthquake and Typhoon, better known as the Natural Disasters. And a kid has the Hasbro toys, and I'm very jealous of that kid. Um, 
You're going to be jealous of me when you see all the pictures of the Hasbros I have. Dude, we're going to have to do a reveal on the Retromania page on Facebook, like a live stream of, like, reveal toys. Both that you could, and I. Like, we'll go could, back and forth or something. Yeah, that could be pretty cool. I, I, I could get into that and give you a little tour of my uh, my, my setup. You can you guys can see where all awesome. the magic happens on my end. Um, That's awesome. This is how yeah. he books in his head, everybody. Yeah. wrestles with the toys still <laughs> um, no, I, I gotta it's funny because i i when i started doing this um with my podcast i wanted like a cool little setup down here and um I, you know i i wanted just to kind of be like be accompanied by m- moments of my childhood you know and why yeah. i became a wrestling fan and I started yeah. collecting the Hasbros again, and I started getting some that I didn't have when I was a kid. So I probably had like yeah. seven or eight of my own originally when I was a kid, and then I would go on certain like Facebook groups um, and pick some out. Um, I've spent a, a decent amount of money. I try not to go too crazy. The most I spent on um, the most I spent on, on a single purchase, I'd say, it was probably about a hundred dollars. But I got like ten figures out of it. So. Um, but That's yeah, very it's pretty cool. wild. And then I had I had a, a fair amount of the Galoob WCW toys, like you mentioned earlier. Um, and I I'd say I probably bought one, two, three about three. I, I only had to get like three more of the 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 original Galoobs. Um, and then like I saw like the you remember the WCW um, figures that came out in the late nineties. The yeah, I have a couple of those. Yeah, the stiff I, ones I, are the ones that move, the or that the move. there's like three of them. There's like there three the different versions move. though. Yeah. Okay. So I like had a the few. Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, I had a Bam. Bam yeah, so actually, I have Bam Bam Bigelow. I have some members of the NWO. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so those were good action DDP. figures. They were very detailed. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Um, so Who I made some those? Of those. Toy Biz is the name of the group. Toy Biz, yes. Yeah. If you go, yes. if you eBay WCW Toy Biz action figures, there's a lot that's out there on the market um, at a fairly awesome. decent price too. Even if like you know, and and I'm been following the action, the wrestling action figure, um, you know, I wouldn't call it an industry, but like people pay top dollar for some of this stuff it's wild like, yeah i got yeah definitely. like when i first started someone sold someone tried to sell their lot of hasbros for like fifteen hundred dollars i was like how about a hundred bucks and the guy like laughed at me and mm. he was like you don't know what these are worth i'm like what these are worth i'm like they're toys like what yeah. do you mean what are they worth you know like i would have like arguments with these people i'm like you're over you're overcharging and there's still some people that out there that overcharge some action figures i'll be definitely. honest with you I don't Same deal with, with those kind like of people. A lot cause... of like anime toys too, and like comic book toys. Um, oh, I'm like sure. Old, yeah, old '90s ones, definitely, and '80s ones. Yeah, they're like it's just a yeah, it's just a market where they jack up the price, and uh, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But you, you got a big collection. I've seen your setup in your basement too. It's very uh, inviting for wrestling fans. Um, and we'll definitely have to do that. We'll have to do something like that on Facebook where we go back and forth like a Skype or some type of thing like where you have your toys, I have my toys, we talk about them. Maybe when we got them, some memories or something yeah. like that of the people and just run it through. But, yeah, 
Um, it it kind of ties in with this era and everything of marking out the days and our collaboration with Retromania. Um, definitely. Um, yeah. So uh, let let let's get back in this episode. Uh, this is a longer one because we're kind of describing everything in detail to get you guys set up to the storylines that are going on with WWF and WCW at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, Money Inc. cuts a promo side by side during this match with the Natural Disasters, and they came out the victors. Well, they walked away with the belts at least at WrestleMania, correct? Yeah, they yeah. um they, they kind of foreshadowed some 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 more issues um between the uh the the two teams. Um yeah, the Earthquake and Typhoon, they wiped the floor with these two future Cub Scout leaders of America. Oh my um, god, yes. Yeah, it was it was it was it was a typical uh, natural disaster um enhancement match with with, a, with you know these two poor bastards, but um it, it sounded like um post WrestleMania they weren't done with Jimmy Hart and Money Incorporated. So, uh, you know, judging by the natural disaster promo, and we'll see how that all fares in the coming weeks as we keep mm-hmm. reviewing uh, WWF superstars. Then we go to backstage stuff with Sean Moody tossing to the Skinner. Skinner, I'm mean. I'm bad. I'll bite you. I'll break the rules. And I'll do whatever it takes to win a match. And he's talking about, you know, having spit in his mouth. And he's not as big as everybody else, but he's here. Yeah. Okay. It's the Skinner, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. And then Tatanka, he is backstage and he keeps pointing to the skies and looking up. He thanks all the spirits above for his success in the WWF. And he thanks all the fans for their support and their continued support. And he is determined to capture the WWF championship to make all the natives proud. Interesting. What would that be like if Tatanka won the championship? Huh? Oh man. You know, I don't know. Like I feel like that would make up for everything, right? What's that? That would make up for everything, right? Make up for everything in this episode or just everything in general? White man's burden. Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tatanka (laughs) Tatanka as the WWF champion would be inspiring all the casinos in this country Um, and and people to, to, you know, of that that ethnicity to to build casinos. (laughs) But in all seriousness, I'd kind of have to, I feel like Tatanka as the WWF champion, I would have to see what he would what he would be like as the Intercontinental Champion first. Yeah. As a fan. Yeah. Like I couldn't yeah. I couldn't Definitely. buy him being like just straight into the WWF title picture. Nah, it'd be it'd be weird. Um but yeah, that was Sean Mooney pushing that more or less, but yeah. Alright, on with the main event. It's the Berserker. Huss, 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 huss. <laughs> Who we learned in recent or prior episodes of marking out the days he did train and tag team with bruiser brody so familiar you know he just got arrested recently oh really in real life yeah for, for trying to stab somebody oh no okay no that was in 92 um dui <laughs> yeah and apparently he was not happy about it um huss yeah i wonder if that's why they decided to go to to 
to go along with the Viking experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't they change it to... Uh, the Viking Raiders. The, yes. Which yes. sounds a little better, I'll be well, honest with you. All right, so both of those names, though, they kind of tried out for the Berserker at first. You know that, right? The Viking Raider? I did not know that. Well, the, I and remember they... the Viking Experience, they tried out for house shows. Stop, really? Yes. I didn't know that. Man, learn something new every day. So I, I, It's funny that like you say that because what they've been reporting you know, in all those, those dirt sheets recently was that originally they were going to call them the Berserkers. Well, see, they own the, 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 the rights for all those three names. So they were like easily like, let's just throw these on. I think the thing is now that they'll allow like a guy like to come up to NXT be like, yeah, use your, uh, use your indie name, like Adam Cole. But when you get on the rain, the main roster, we're going to change your name to like Colish, Colish Artish, you know, or something, you know, like, yeah, Coleslaw. Yeah, Coleslaw. Well, they let Ricochet and Alistair Black keep their names for now. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, Alistair but, Black is a, is, is a made up name from Tommy End. Yeah, yeah, they so. didn't let him keep Tommy End. Yeah, I do remember that. Although he did wrestle as Tommy End against Neville at the very first UK show. Yes. Um, yes. But that was it. So, um, yeah, again, introducing the guy and then changing his name. Yeah. Uh, that was like the precursor for it. So, yeah, well, the under, Berserker well, or the Undertaker Viking Raider. If you remember, yeah, what was Undertaker he? was Kane the Undertaker. Yes. They were going to call him Kane the Undertaker at one point. So, yeah. Kane the uh, Undertaker, a man but, who's kind. It's like, yeah. <laughs> just trying to tie all three of them in. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. It's all right. So. A for effort. I know. <laughs> um, the Berserker. Huss, huss, huss. He's out here. He's going to take on The Undertaker with Paul Bearer. The fans go fucking crazy. I don't know if this has popped in either, but yeah. Undertaker is out here. He's a big time face at this time. Who was his opponent at Undertaker? at WrestleMania 8. Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah. Got rid of him. Yeah. Um So this is a brawl, if you will. Uh the bell hell of a brawl. No, it didn't. Uh Fuji comes out, he grabs the urn, Berserker hits Paul with his shield and then grabs his fucking sword. And he hits the Undertaker in the back with the flat side of the sword. And then he goes to stab the Undertaker in the head who's on the ground on the mat. Oh my god, he's going to stab him in the fucking head. No, Undertaker moves last minute and it stabs into the mat. Wow. And then the Undertaker is up. He gets clotheslined to the outside. He grabs Fuji immediately. Berserker is right outside after him. And uh, he pulls the mats up. And pile drives the Undertaker to the concrete. Fuji is holding the Berserker back. And then Paul comes out with the urn. He's back up. And the Undertaker lifts up. And they slowly stalk each other back to the backstage. And everybody is booing. Uh, yeah, we go to a commercial. We come back to a 
from the commercial and we preview next week's matches which are going to be Skinner and the Ultimate Warrior who is significantly smaller talking about uh, going against Skinner next week and then we get a slow-mo spot of that sword getting stabbed into the mat what a fucking moment here huh yeah that was pretty wild like I've kind of talked about it on on my podcast and um it's kind of brought me and it's kind of brought an idea for me to eventually do uh something along the lines with this theme but as a kid I always remember you know I knew wrestling was predetermined but there were three guarantees that I knew that weren't going to happen that I would never think I would see in wrestling number one nobody's going to die number yeah. two nobody's going to get stabbed okay nobody three nobody's going to use a gun okay well, in 1992, Berserker tried to behead The Undertaker with a sword. So mm-hmm. I was wrong there. And then in 1996, Brian Pillman had a gun. And <laughs> that's wrong number two. And then wrong number three came in 1999, unfortunately, in real life, real time, with Owen Hart's passing. Uh, oh, yeah. But as a kid, I remember when I, when I remember watching this... Um, just the image of like the sword sticking in the ring canvas, I think, was what got me. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I was like, oh my god! Like he tried to he tried to cut him. He tried to stab him in the throat or cut his head off. Like I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. you know? But um, yeah. The, and then we get to the preview with Warrior and Skinner. Skinner basically saying he's gonna beat his brains up because he ain't scared of nobody. And then right. the Warrior reminds those that forgot his power. And, uh, you know, he's referring to the swamp creatures that run with Skinner, that they will fall to the power of the ultimate warrior. Um, and then we yeah. have a special interview next week with the Macho Man. Uh, after he just won the WWF title. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. an update on the Undertaker Berserker incident to close out this edition of WWF Superstars. Yeah, um, so... Uh- interesting stuff there like it definitely brings me back to the days of like being a five-year-old remembering this shit though like watching this i definitely remember this time period again like it's all coming back to me i'm like oh my god i was definitely a fan like like peak time you know i was watching these saturday shows um and like you said Macho Man being the champion right now, coming up with a uh, interview next week. Uh, if we will get into it, because we talked about Bruiser Brody on the last week's episode, let's talk about the Macho Man episode. Did you watch that on Viceland yet? I did. Yes, I did. And what are your thoughts? And, um, a lot of stuff I've heard before um, from you know different parties regarding his relationship with Elizabeth. Um, I thought it was interesting that they included Hulk Hogan's ex-wife, Linda Hogan, Linda Balea, um, Mm -hmm. as a part of this documentary because of her friendship with Miss Elizabeth. But at the same time, I was kind of surprised that Hogan wasn't a part of it because of the close relationship he had with Savage. Um, I know that, um... Hogan spoke out about that on publicly on Twitter recently and uh, mentioned that uh, he would have loved to have been a part of it. And apparently the, the people who run the Viceland Twitter account had said, uh, hey, brother, we reached out to you and you declined. <laughs> so um, 
I didn't know it was about. You said somebody else's name and not mine. So I thought, (laughs) well, it's not important. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. It, it, it's like I said, it's it's stuff I've heard about him and his relationship with her. Um, it was very sad at the end, though, about the Lex stuff. Yeah. I will say that. Like, I didn't I know give, all that detail. I, I mean, I knew that, you know, Luger had a relationship with her and, you know, the circumstances surrounding her passing. Um, but I didn't know that they that they that they met. um because they got together because Luger was cheating on his wife with her. I didn't know that. I thought that they, you know, that they met in WCW and everything was uh, hunky dory. But I think there was one thing that they forgot, or I shouldn't say they forgot to mention, but I thought maybe would have been rather interesting that they bring up was the fact that she was married to another individual before she got together with Lex. She yeah, didn't just like, go from Savage to I didn't know about Lex. that middleman. Yeah, there was a middleman I remember. Um, it was like a guy that she grew up with. I think like they were like high school sweethearts kind of thing from like the Kentucky area. And I remember years ago when she got married that um, Ray trailer, the big boss man uh, ended up walking mm. her down the aisle and giving her away to this individual. Um, I want you to be my big boss. Man. <laughs> if you don't do the dishes, you're going to be serving hard time. Oh, shit. I give her away. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. I just wanted to get your opinion. I thought it was well done. Uh, Yeah. Like you said, a lot of stuff we've heard, but I didn't know certain details with the Lex stuff. And it was just sad ending for uh, him and her. But uh, interesting that they were. Yeah. And interesting that they were both. Well, yeah, he did. He did. And I never heard that interview before either. He didn't dance around. And that's the first time I've ever heard that clip uh, when he he spoke on Bischoff's old podcast. Um, Not the current one he does, but his old one. Um, But, yeah, I was like, I was, I was like, my jaw hit the floor when like he spoke so openly about it and he owned every, he owned all his mistakes. He, he feels responsible for her passing and, you know, knowing, you know, basically admitting like I had a problem. I was a real fucking asshole. And because I was such an asshole with my issues, it caused her to die. Like, and you know, he lives with that every day and to be able to talk about that publicly and still live with that. I mean, I, I I got so much respect for him as a human being that he was able to do that. You know what I mean? Because not many people could do that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that 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 was that. Let let let's move on with this day and get back to um, our our childhood memories. With um, let's uh, with Saturday night. It's right. Later on that evening, it's six oh five Eastern mm-hmm. Standard Time on TBS, the Superstation. We saw WCW Saturday night. Um. April the 25th, 1992. Show yeah. opened with footage of Nikita Koloff returning to WCW backstage at Super Brawl 2, saving Sting from an attack from the Dangerous Alliance with JR um, voicing over the, the video package, kind of um, foreshadowing, uh, you know, the audience and WCW getting answers as to why Nikita Koloff 
um, return to WCW and to save Sting yeah. of all people. Um, yeah. And then we we see Jr. Um, hosting the show. They kind of had like a primetime wrestling kind of studio format a little bit with like a live audience. Uh, yeah, with, let's like, a talk, talk about the contrast. Yeah, let's talk about the contrast in the episodes. So yeah, like you said, he's in a fucking like he's in a studio. So go ahead, like let talk about like he's in a studio, closed format, and then we have the show earlier, which is what? Clippings of shows? What's that? Superstars? Yes. Now Superstars is one show and from one arena. Okay. But it's like clipped up like they they shoot like three weeks within like one day, right? Yeah, they used to shoot multiple episodes of TV in one night um, from, yeah. from, from one venue. Um, I don't know what their then, taping schedule was like for WCW Saturday night, um, but they used to start the show from the, the center stage um, with, you know, a live audience and JR would they would have like the ring as almost like a stage and like half of it was like, you know, roped off. Yeah. Um, and his co-host for this was uh, Bill Fralick from the NFL, who was in the WrestleMania 2 Battle Royal. Um, and then they would go to, like, matches that were from different locations. Um, yeah. Until they, until they stuck with a format where they just kept the entire show in the Atlanta Center Stage studio, which we will get to in the coming weeks as we continue to, uh, to, to mark down these days on these Saturdays, then- I should say. Right, and then what was the show that was eventually in uh, the, like, Orlando Studios, like Universal Studios? um, They used to do Worldwide. Okay. And they used to do WCW Pro um, in those sound stages in Orlando. But their their flagship show at the time was Saturday Night, and they would... they would take part of it in the, the center stage studios in Atlanta. And then, yes. um, you know, they would show clips from um, different mat. They would show matches from different locations um, yeah. that were pre-taped earlier with, with the guys still doing the commentary. And definitely prior to, uh, you know, this format that we just have going on right now with the Weekend Warriors, um, what we were covering with WCW uh, NWA version in 1987. That was the Saturday night's version. Um, that yeah, was the they were on Saturdays day. as well. Yeah, but it was in a smaller studio in in Atlanta. Correct. Yeah, in '87. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So when did different... they? Do you know when they officially moved to center stage? Was it in '92 <sighs> during this run, or were they in there? They were they were I they think, there? Prior? Yeah, this was the yeah this they might have like been here a little bit prior, but I think this was like the relaunch of Saturday Night because a few weeks prior they had the official relaunch of it. Um, that's why they put it back on this network. Okay. On the the WWE network is this format. Um, okay. Because it'll change after 1993 as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, they yeah. they they tweaked the 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 look of the show, um, for the past few months, and you'll we'll, like I said, we'll keep you know updating and discussing that as time goes on. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was an interesting little setup with like, you know, the 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 live studio. It reminded me of like the old primetime wrestling where they used to do it live in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mind had, like, it at all. 
Yeah, I thought it was a different feel to it, and I, I kind of dug it. Um, what I loved as a kid, now this is good. This is me going back as a kid at nine years old. I loved the differences between the two shows. So mm-hmm. even though I even though I fell in love with wrestling through WWF. There were things that WCW was doing during this time period that, like, gravitated me to them. Like, WCW had the war games, and WWF didn't have that. You know what I mean? WCW had different rules, even though some of them might not have made sense looking back on it now. Um, Yeah, but it was like a sports element. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, they kind of treated it like it was an athletic competition, you know, with, like time limit draws and you would hear the announcers you know announce the time um during the matches in wwf you never heard howard finkel say 15 minutes left in the match 15 minutes you would no, never back hear that. in the 80s maybe yeah but no maybe not yeah but like yeah. not during this time period um so yeah, but that's this... what i loved about these two shows is how different they were in in contrast of styles and presenting the the, yes. the product I agree, and this this also does like not to be too nitpicky, but at the end we'll get into it. Like with the rules, it kind of ruins it. So it, there there are some benefits, but there are some cons as well. Like, oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's not all yeah. peaches and peaches and cream. That's for sure. Yeah. So uh, let's get into this episode. Jim Ross is in the studio, and like you said, from the Falcons is Bill. Uh, what's his name? Because he like he gets blanked out. While he tries to introduce him, I don't I know if that's on that. purpose or not. Like, yeah, I, don't know. I did notice that that like they bleeped out something that he said um, as yeah. he was introducing himself. But his name is Bill Fralick. He was actually in the WrestleMania two Battle Royal. Um, he had like a, 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 a pre match uh, promo with uh, Big John Stud um, hmm. before that Battle Royal, and they kind of got into it a little bit, you know highlighting uh their issues going into the battle royal but yeah Freilich kind of teases during this like little interview that mm-hmm. um he might want to get into wrestling and that's why he's here to co-host saturday night with jr to kind of scout what's going on in wcw so yeah, um, he talks about the similarities in football and wrestling too yep which is the physicality cool. and yeah yeah it's uh but, and um, then uh he gets into talking about Scotty Flamingo being like Deion Sanders. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that comparison, but um, I mean, unless Scotty Flamingo was playing another sport at the time, I didn't really get the comparison. But yeah, Scotty Flamingo um, defeated Firebreaker Chip in the opening bout here on WCW Saturday Night. Um, yeah, and this is definitely like cut up like stuff like a live event because before they show like scotty flamingo spitting a rhyme and he's kind of like on a podium kind of like what you get uh from uh superstars you know so i guess they do they did like some live shows around this time and they cut it up for this um yeah so yeah it was okay i mean you know standard match they kind of highlighted flamingo as you know a a light heavyweight wrestler, um, uh-huh. even though he didn't really look like one. No. Um, but, yeah, you know, it was it, this This was nothing to write home about. No, um, he this, wins this... with a pile driver, and you can hardly hear Jim Ross on the commentary. What the hell is going on I noticed that, there? too. Yeah. Maybe they'll get better. We'll see. Yeah, the sound seemed like it was off, like either, like, 
either JR's mic wasn't loud enough when he when he talked or there was some sort of audio issue um coming from somewhere else that were you know resulted in like the arena sounding too loud he sounded like he was like trying to call the action in a crowded bar <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean like it was yeah, just yeah. way too loud yeah definitely uh moving on we get this young buck Eric Bischoff he recaps Sting Invader uh, Sting and Vader had a match in the Omni, and Vader crushed Sting's sternum and ribs, and then instead of pinning him, he continued to beat down Sting and was disqualified during the match. Um, and we'll get an update on Sting tomorrow on WCW Main Event. Okay, well, we'll see how it goes on next week's episode of marking out the days uh vader talks about being the uncrowned champion and pain is what he's going to deliver and give to sting who was crying because he was hurt and did it hurt and did it hurt like this is actually not a bad promo from vader it's very cool here um he should have just pinned him and become the champion but i think he legit hurt him in this match what are your thoughts um, this was the beginning of their rivalry. You know, Sting was still very, um, you know, very involved with the Dangerous Alliance at this time, but they were starting to, they were starting to, um, you know, they were tying up loose ends with that storyline, um, and really shifting the focus. We kind of knew where Sting was going to go, but, um, the Vader Sting stuff has always been good. I think, mm-hmm. you know, um, their matches are, are criminally underrated, um, you know, and, and this was the, the Sting Vader matches, is, I think, in my opinion, is what put Vader on the map um, yeah. in, in the United States. Like, that's my first exposure to Vader was the matches with Sting and, you know, Vader, Vader and Sting, their, their styles, they were different, but they they complemented each other and they told great stories. It was um you know, some of my favorite Sting Vader matches. My favorite one, and we covered it on Marking Out the Days, was that Super Brawl, that 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 White Castle yes. of Fear strap match. Those two guys lit into each other, man. It was very it was so good awesome. Match. Yeah, not a bad match from these two at all. Uh, you know, Sting and Vader were definitely, um, you know, uh, it's almost like they were they were made for each other. You know, in wrestling, like they were made to 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 work with yeah. each other. They were that good together. They very much so like complement each other. Um, yeah, definitely a good uh, feud. Almost kind of, I don't know, like, I feel like John Cena and JBL kind of have that dynamic as well. Same with John Cena and Batista. Um, two guys, I don't know, new era that, like, yeah, they just go together. Oh, yeah, I mean, Cena worked great with, you know, he was a, he was a, a contrasting, you know, in contrast, he was much different than JBL. Um you know, ability and character-wise, the two polar opposites—they just worked very well together. Um, Him and, and Sting then, are very know, similar. Yeah, I mean, Sting's a little, Sting's Sting's a little flashier and you know flew around a little more, but um, you know, Cena was the uh, what would you describe him? the power wrestler? I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think like from a character standpoint and the the, the character's morals. Um, I think they both kind of were along the same lines. Yeah. All right. In this episode, we have Greg Hammer 
and Terry Taylor. They're the U.S. Tag Team Champions. They cut a promo on the Freebirds, who at this time, it's Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin. Interesting stuff, right? Um, Greg Valentine and Taylor made man, Terry Taylor, um, you know, the, the poor man's million dollar man, I guess you could call him. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was all right. I mean, them against the Freebirds, the new yeah. incarnation of the Freebirds, though. I mean, I always thought the Freebirds are bad guys, you know what I mean? I looked at them as yeah. bad guys, you know, so it was kind of weird. Um, I didn't remember this as a kid. Um, I didn't realize they actually gave Greg Valentine a, a run with a tag team title in WCW. I felt like, if I think about it now, I feel like going back that like, I do remember Valentine wrestling in WCW, but I didn't think it was as frequent as this. Same here, same here. Um, we'll get into it into the weeks because they'll have some matches. Moving on, we have Diamond Dallas Page and the situation going on with Kip Fry. Page has been banned from televised shows because of his language. And we get the reaction of him getting the letter. And he gets a lot of bleeps here and he rips up the letter. Um, We've talked about this on last week's episode of Marking Out the Days, the old format. Um, Just talking about him being like a censored version, like the precursor of Stone Cold going against the authority, you know, for speaking out. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, this was like, yeah, like like you said, very. this was before, like, you know, the, the Mr. McMahon, Eric Bischoff, you know, authority figure kind of characters. Um, I don't recall seeing, ever seeing Kip Allen Fry actually on TV. I think he's um, on an episode coming up, or he was already on an episode of, of Saturday Night. I thought for some reason that Bill Watts was the TV authority figure during this time period. I mean, we'll find out, I'm sure, later. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, So then we have a letter from a fan called Luis. She has a question for Stunning Steve Austin. Why don't you quit the Dangerous Alliance and wrestle by the rules? And then we get a (laughs) video recap from Steve Austin. He goes, Luis, you silly bag. Haven't you been paying attention? I wrestle by my rules. I haven't been fired. I haven't been fined. And I haven't been stripped of the title. That's a stupid question. <laughs> Just good stuff here. I like Yeah, it. I used to like that that kind of interactive stuff where, like, you know, you could, you know, send a letter and ask a question. Um, I yeah. thought that stuff was kind of cool. I remember as a kid, not to go off topic here, but briefly I'll, I'll mention that when I was a kid when – um, on Superstars or Wrestling Challenge or whatever it was when they used to do the campaign where you could write a letter to Hulk Hogan after Earthquake attacked him on the Brother Love Show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, every week I would tune in to see if my letter was going to be read by Tugboat. Oh, my and God, week, really? Yeah, every week I would tune in, and he didn't, uh, fat fuck didn't eat my, read my fucking letter. But He ate your letter instead. He, he probably ate my you letter. Like yeah, had a, he, you had a Freudian slip there. Yeah, he ate my words. He ate all of my words, but not in the way that I would have hoped. Fucking candy-striping bastard. So, um, anyhow, that fat piece of shit didn't read my letter, but I got a fucking bracelet in the mail that said Hulkamania on it, and it said, thanks for reading the letter that we're not going to fucking read on the air. Wow. So, 
But yeah, I used to love those interactive segments. Yeah, those are so TV cool. Each and every Nowadays, week, get my they, blood boiling. Yeah, they used to like read tweets off during shows, but uh, they show tweets sometimes on the bottom of the screen. Yes, I'm sure yes. that they got somebody policing that shit, so they're not showing the wrong tweets. Like, like you yeah, know, they don't do that anymore. What the anymore. fuck are they doing with the creative? They need to fire all the writers. Like, they'll never put that shit on the bottom right. of the screen to scroll. But uh, yeah, they, they got somebody policing that shit because they know that it. They know it can get out of hand if they just let everyone. Hunter fears, Hunter fears turkey jizz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. One of my or, favorite ones. Yeah. <laughs> X-Pac has camel toe. That was my favorite sign ever. <laughs> See, yeah, they can get them pretty good. Yeah. Um, so uh, then we go back to Jim and Bill in the studio, and they introduce... Nikita Koloff, who's their guest here. Yeah. Yeah. And Bill asks him, why are you back? And we get a little recap of everything. Uh, Wrestle War 91, where he hit Lex in the face with the U.S. title. Um, and he says, you know, I kind of I kind of saw the future about Lex. He didn't care about the fans. And everyone's like, yeah, you're right. He went to the WWF and the WBF at this time. Fuck that guy. Like, everyone's like, yeah, sure. And then uh, they recap Super Brawl 1991, nearly a year ago, where he accidentally hit Sting with the chain. Uh, He went to hit Lex, but Lex moved, and he hit Sting uh, in their match. And Sting was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, uh... He's slipping in and out of his accent right here. This is where you can really tell he's a fake Russian. But, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. It was yeah. pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I can't defend that shit. Then they're like, what happened to you? Why did you leave WCW? He's like, I disappeared from WCW because, you know, stuff was going on with Lithuania. Wow, what a cop-out. What a cop-out. <laughs> he talks about... Blame it on your country. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. He talks about real-life situations going on with Lithuania at the time. As you know, the Berlin Wall fell years ago, and the situation with the Soviets was still, uh, you know, you know, stuff was going on with rebel groups, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you know what? You know know what's going to happen? When I decide I don't want to go to work tomorrow, I'm just going to blame it on Trump. Oh, please, please, dude. Just take it like a sabbatical. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll tell my supervisor, Paul. Hey, Paul, I'm really sorry. Unfortunately, I can't make it to work today. There's this issue going on in the fucking world that's really stressing me out, and I'm going to have to stay home and work on my Russian accent. But I'll be back on Monday. I promise. Yeah. Have a nice weekend. Or we here we can work with another option here. Reason two, he was in Knoxville, Tennessee, the class of – the clash of the champions is where he hit sting with the chain. And there was a boy who's known as big Ben, who was a little stinger who was afraid quote, quote unquote, because boy, he did not look afraid. He's a bad actor, but, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe you, you know can scare a kid and you can tell your boss like, yeah, I scared a kid. So I, I, I got to go. I got to get it straight with this kid, man. I got to get a hold of this kid. <laughs> you know, I saw Big Ben and we talked and, you yeah. know, he's like my best friend now. Yeah. I was like, 
He even like, recalls like stuff with Magnum TA's like Magnum TA got in a car accident. And this is bringing up like marking out the days stuff. Uh, talking about teaming Dusty with Rhodes Dusty. Changed yeah. My life. Like, yeah, forever. I, mean, okay. I will say this. I'll give this segment. Uh, this segment was solid in a sense. There was some, there was, you know, some, some. They had some it. continuity. Yeah. But yes, exactly. The continuity with his, the path his character took. Because WCW gets a bad, I wouldn't say a bad rap, but they've had a reputation, you know, throughout wrestling history of being a company that doesn't follow through or has, you know, the continuity is not there when it comes to their storytelling. They had video detail of all these major moments in Nikita's character's career that they put together in these packages as they were talking about it. I thought this was a really well done segment in how it was produced. Even though it may have been silly that fucking Nikita Koloff became Big Ben's best friend. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It it was... other than that, like the videos and the explanations and like, you know, like his explanation for Luger, like turning on Luger because he he knew in his heart Luger wasn't a good guy. Like, that's yeah. why he did it. Like, OK, that kind of makes sense. Like, if you if yes. you don't trust that yes. motherfucker, and you, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm going to hit somebody with a championship belt if I had possession of it. If I didn't trust someone, you know what I mean? Or just, you know, my my belt I wear around my regular pants. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> or maybe he can see in the future. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe to 2002 with the, the, the fucking weirdos that we talked about last week. The, the bad street, the back street. But who are those fucking assholes oh, we were talking about God. last week? What yeah, are their names? Uh, new breed. New, shit. That, yeah, the right? new breed. Yeah. The new breed. Yeah. yeah. Chris Champion and, uh, and uh, you know, that the guy. They needs came his back money and back caused the schism. Yep. Yeah. And we found Nikita. But, yeah. But yeah, but no, like uh, continuity, exactly. Great, great word to describe this segment. There was a lot of continuity when it came to the path his character, uh, you know, had taken. And there were, I think there were solid explanations behind, Yeah. you know, getting to where, you know, the, 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 the main question was, why are you back? And he's um, like talking about Super Brawl 2 and he yep. wants, to, I want to talk to Stang and uh, Stang, if you need me. I'm here. And uh, he brings out a little stanger. It's Taryn, who's a girl with face paint. And he says, who's your favorite? She goes, Sting. He goes, he's my favorite, too. And just yeah. looks at the... It's just so cheesy. But it's very... Yeah. It's it's so fucking good because, man, ugh, I hate to bring it around to normal stuff, but Kevin Owens and... Kofi Kingston, they could have milked that like good relationship for a while. Like him been like, my son is the biggest fan of yours and like go on until SummerSlam, like be like, yeah, I'm part of the new day and my son loves it. And then fucking turn on him before SummerSlam or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. They could have, but they they did it in a week. Yeah. And this one, this one might go somewhere. We'll see. They'll tag. Eventually we know that. But uh, it could have been milked to a turn, but we'll see how long Nikita sticks and around. He, if you remember in this promo, too, he also calls out Vader. Dude, yeah, um, that's the very end. That's awesome. I want to yeah. see that match. I think they had a pay-per-view match. I think. I could be we'll mistaken. See. But, yeah, we'll we, we, we will find out. Oh, they did. Yeah, they did. We'll talk about that at a later date. 
But yeah, overall, I thought that segment, that sit-down interview was very well done, very well produced um, between the video packages and, like we said, not to bring it up again, but the continuity. Yeah. And then the next match is Arn Anderson against Larry Santo, I guess that is. Yeah, you are uh, correct. Paul Heyman is on the phone on the apron the whole time. It's hysterical. It's awesome. Uh, Arn Anderson wins with the spine buster, and he gets the Castrol high performance of the week. It's a recap, a slow-mo of his uh, spine buster, which looks phenomenal, everybody. And that was another thing about WCW that I remember noticing as a kid was that WWF and their instant replays, they didn't have, like, sponsors. You know what I mean? Like, at least during that time period, 1992, whereas, like, in 92, like, you had, like, the the Castrol TPX performance, you know, slam of the week or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, the different different sponsors to sponsor replay. Like, I thought that stuff was pretty clever. Um, And I just remember as a kid, like, you know, not not outwardly asking why but i in my head i would question like or wait for like vince mcmahon to be like this week's instant replay is brought to you by i go pro you know or something like that you know what i mean and you didn't get that so it adds it adds a little bit more to the product yes correct it's kind of got like a like you said like a very athletic sports feel to it um Mm -hmm. at least for on the the wcw side yeah. Um, speaking of a little bit more of an athletic sports feel, let's go to the main event because backstage, coming from the locker room, it's Barry Windham. I and, love that entrance. Right? And then already in the entrance. ring is Steve Austin, the w- WCW TV champion. I like how they kind of had like guys switched off, like who goes in, like who's in the ring, and it didn't like... It didn't matter, like, yeah, sometimes jobbers were, sometimes jobbers got entrances, you know? Uh-huh, yep. Um, yeah, it, but this was very cool, right? The entrance, yeah, like, you see them, like, walking down the hall. It was, like, a makeshift built-in hallway, so to speak, but, like, you had, like, the pictures of the other WCW wrestlers, like, hanging on the wall, and then they come out. Like, I thought that was really clever, really well done, because in WWF, on the other side, you just saw the guy come out the curtain with yeah. the logo that was over the curtain. And I always liked, yep. like, what, like, I was always fascinated as to, like, what would the backstage look like, you know what I mean? And you saw little snippets of that with WWF with, like, those makeshift locker rooms that they would put together or the sets with, like, the, the name of the event behind the set. But you never really saw, like, the locker locker room. You know what I mean? Yeah. And WCW kind of gave you that feel as you would as the camera would follow Wyndham from that point in the locker room, passing down that hall to eventually there wasn't even a curtain. He would just come out that, that doorway. And then the crowd would, you know, and the and the ring was like right there. Like I thought that was really cool, and I, I I dug that. Like I dug that the production aspect of that from WCW at that time. I definitely did too. Um, this is for the TV championship, the WCW World TV Championship. It's a two out of three falls match. Uh, this is a great match. Uh, Barry Windham hits a suplex and flips right back over on top of Steve Austin. One, two, three. He gets the first fall in the match. Then Steve punches Barry and he flies over the top rope. They talk about that's not a disqualification because it was kind of like uh, an offensive move that wasn't intentional. 
and they're talking about the uh, over the top rope rule at the time. I so, hated that rule. Yeah, me too. Um, so Austin takes control after Barry gets back up. He runs off the ropes and hits Barry in the back with a knee. Barry goes flying into the guardrail. Um, the announcer says two minutes remaining, two minutes remaining in the TV time. I'm like, what the, wait, what, what? Um, I, I like the aspect, but then again, I don't, and we'll get into it in a second. He says less than a minute, 45 seconds. Then all of a sudden we get a backslide from Barry Windham to Stone Cold Steve, stunning Steve Austin. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) One, two, no. Then we get a huge clothesline from Barry Windham. One, two, no. Uh, 15 seconds. uh, But, you know, stunning Steve's foot is on the rope. Just a good save here. Just a good amount of transitions Barry Windham tries that suplex and roll over one more time one two as the countdown goes six five four three two one and Steve Austin's shoulder is up and he says folks that's it uh due to tv time constraints the match is over and your winner and still tv champion steve austin but then we go to jim ross and bill who are talking for another like 45 seconds and i'm like wait wait dude you could have finished the fucking match you had like an extra minute or two there yeah 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 it was was, sometimes those tv title you know time limit draws were exciting and entertaining and sometimes they just kind of fell flat um that was yeah, kind i mean of i get the booking where, of it but they yeah they definitely fell flat yeah yeah so um you know i mean it i mean the crowd was into it for the short period of time that the match was but um you know it i will say that it was it was rather disappointing coming from two of these caliber athletes that we got to finish like that but we'll see if they follow up with it in the, in the coming weeks yeah we definitely will. Um, overall, what do you think over this weekend Warriors um, edition of marking out the days? What, who do you That's think? It's been a goes, lot of fun. Who do you it, think goes out the victor here? Um, if I were to guess, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pick which show I enjoyed more, I'm gonna have to say. It was, it was Saturday night. Um, okay. I think at that time, and here's another reason why I, I, I enjoyed this show more. Trying to go back and remember, you know, nine-year-old me at this time. And I kind of alluded to it earlier. I grew up WWF, all WWF. I mean, I, I watched, you know, that was what I first started watching. I got into NWA, Jim Crockett, which would eventually become WCW. Um, not far, not too long after. I want to say like 87, maybe 88 uh, was when I started watching them. And I always enjoyed the different things about them that separated them from the WWF. Like I said earlier, things that WWF wasn't doing, like the war games, the way they produced television, how things were different. Um, but I always circled back to how there were some guys in WCW that I wished would have been a part of WWF. Like I wish WWF at that time in 1992 would have had stunning Steve Austin and the dangerous Alliance. I thought they would have been a good like foil to like a macho man or something like that. 
Um, Ooh, nice. But I thought that this was a better show because they're it was a little bit shorter than the superstars one, but they they gave you enough content to get into without feeling like there was so much. Whereas on superstars, we kind of ran ran it down, and they're talking about Ugh. Flair's issues with Randy Savage. They're talking about lot. yeah, there was a lot in there, and even though it's not and it's not one of those situations where I felt overwhelmed. But I just felt like the quality of of Saturday of this edition of WCW Saturday Night was better than the quantity of WWF superstars on this particular day. I definitely agree with you. I will go thumbs up for Saturday nights, thumbs down for superstars. Um, if that's the way we're going to go, I think we agree so far. So we'll keep a running tally as we WCW, go along. WCW Saturday Night one WWF superstars. Zero. Yeah. And then once we start to differentiate from our uh, points of views, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's interesting to see how it'll go a long time because I know at some point WCW starts to do filler stuff as well. Um, and WWF starts to step up their game sometimes. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. It'll ebb and flow. And just like wrestling does with uh, with competitive you know, federations or you know businesses going on at the same time, this yeah. is a cool, cool little run that we're gonna have here until December at least, um, until right now, you know, tentatively. But uh, 1992, it's a cool little microscope to put down on the the this year of the business. Um, I enjoy hopping on the magic school bus of professional wrestling podcast with you my my friend that's right field trip is on saturdays now so you're going to be able to you're going to be able to check the show out each and every saturday um this will drop on uh you know the, the retromania pro wrestling podcast network over on podbean um you'll also be able to find the show on itunes uh you know google play stitcher uh spotify and so many other outlets um, that podcasts are available. Yes. Um, next week's show is going to be pretty cool. We're going to cover May the 2nd, 1992, both WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night. Um, on the Superstars end, we talked about earlier, Warrior and Skinner uh, mm. will be the main event. We'll also be able to discuss uh, the Undertaker Berserker incident and a special interview with Macho Man Randy Savage plus Papa Shango Money Incorporated and so much more on that end on WWF Superstars and over on WCW Saturday Night we will have Arn Anderson representing the Dangerous Alliance in a 2 out of 3 falls match main event against Big Josh mm. interesting also, stuff and then we'll probably hear back from Stinger Stang yeah Sting will probably discuss, Sting will probably have some, uh, some some words for Nikita Koloff as well as Vader. Um, Dustin Rhodes will be in action along with Diamond Dallas Page teaming with Richard Morton um, against the Junkyard Dog and Ron Simmons, Johnny B. Bad, Vader, and many more all in action on that edition of WCW Saturday Night like we did this week. We're going to go back, going to compare, contrast. We're going to talk about that particular Saturday in our childhood growing up watching professional wrestling it's going to be a lot of fun look forward to it man yeah and as always the death days and birthdays we're going to come up with the uh the cycle of wrestling 
uh, I guess we'll yep, call it. Yeah, can't forget about those either. The cycle, the cycle of wrestling. Uh, yeah, lifting up <laughs> a little Randy Orton into the sunset. Anyhow, uh, folks, I enjoyed this episode. Dave, I enjoyed it. Uh, I hope everybody else did. Uh, as always, you can find us on Podbean, like you said, the full archive of your show, our show, the collective of everything else coming up. The run-in will be coming up soon, so stay tuned for the launch, the relaunch, if you will, of Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Thanks, everybody. Dave, have a good night. Have a good day. Saturday, if you will. Uh, Saturday. And which which Saturday song do you want to go out with this week? You pick it. Um, why don't we go with Saturday Night's All Right? How about that? Okay. Cool. We don't own the rights to that music, by the way. But no. we're, that's what we're going to go out with. Yeah. It's okay. Um, all right, folks. Well, have a good evening. Dave, you have a good evening. All right, brother. Take care.